My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. And welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us today. If you got your Bibles, we're in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. So I think I told you a couple of months ago that I sketched out uh, the, what I think is the last several weeks of Philippians, and for this week I had verses nine—I'm sorry, verses uh, eight and nine—and uh, when I finished up getting ready yesterday, I realized that was a very bad decision because uh, Michael wants me to be done before his sermon is over. So uh, we're just going to look at, I think, verse 8 today, which uh, verse 8 is a very long verse. So that is my fallback position on this. But uh, I'll read through Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we're on page 99, if you've got your green books. Uh, and just to show you how long verse 8 is, verse 8 goes to the end of page 102 in your green book. So like, there's, there's still plenty to cover. Uh, I promise. So Philippians chapter 4, and then we'll jump in uh, with verse 8. I urge Euodia, and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because, once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians chapter 4. 
So we've talked about this first word in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, several times. Uh, but it's the word that CSB renders finally, which m- maybe, <laughs> maybe, right? Uh, if you look at your footnote there, uh, footnote F, uh, the CSB says, or in addition, because he's, he's really not landing the plane yet, right? He's, he's identified probably the, the airport, but he's not got the landing strip in view. So this is in addition, brothers and sisters, which I would argue connects back to the prior paragraph about Yodia and Sintiki. So agree in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, let your graciousness be known, don't worry about anything, and then the peace of God does what the peace of God can only do. And if, we, if, if you take the interpretive lens that he is continuing to talk to Yodia and Sintiki, and I think he is, what verse 8 and 9 are, are, uh, and I'm going to, the best way that I know how to talk about this is in financial terms. So they are a hedge against a potential future. So uh, let me ask you this. How many of you have, um, let's see, does anybody know what a financial hedge is? Like if I said the term? So Dave, you you give us a 20 seconds on that or no? Or you're like, yeah, I know the term, but I didn't want to talk about it. So. So the colloquial term would be don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? You've got, you're, you're investing in a variety of places. And I would argue that verses 8 and 9 are a hedge against Yodia and Sintiki getting bad at, back at it again, right? Because once, like, once you've fought with somebody, it can be easy to get back like, oh, I, like I, I can do that again. Like this is how this can work. Um, so I just wanted to like, plant that seed. And we also saw this word in Philippians 3, 1, which obviously can't be finally. Like that's not, he's literally just halfway through the book at that point. Uh, letter, rather. So finally, brothers, uh, and the CSB adds in sisters, uh, whatever. And I want to talk, for this word about, talk about this word whatever for just a second. Because uh, how many times does this word, and it's, in the, it's on page 99, how many times does this word show up in verse 8? You don't have to count them. It's there. 110. Uh, it's 110 times in verse 8. That's in the NA28, so that's in all the New Testament. So it's, it's a common word, but how many times does it show up in verse 8? It's also right there on page 99. See the parentheses after 4-8? That's how many times it shows up in that verse. Six times. This is one of the things that makes this a really long verse. Because Paul says, whatever not in a sarcastic or irreverent way, but these big bucket kind of phrases six times. I think this is the record for Philippians for most repeated word inside any given verse. Like this is a lot. It's a big verse. So whatever. Now this is a plural word. So this is intentionally broad. This is big. This is a big bucket that we're about to go after here. And then the word is, and this is, the only verb, actually, until we get to uh, the, uh, let's see, let me make sure I get this right. 
This is the only verb we get to in this, word, in this verse until we get to the word dwell. So all the is's in Philippians 4.8 in your English translation, they are supplied so as not to make Paul sound like he stutters because it, can, it would be a little more awkward. It's not as fluid and, and smoothed out language. So this is what it looks like to smooth out language in the Greek. You add a bunch of verbs. Now, this verb is a present active indicative. So the present uh, active is the present is right now. The active is continuous action. Uh, and this idea is things that are, we're talking about things right now. We are not talking about yesterday or tomorrow or 20 years ago or 30 years in the future or what it used to be or what it could be like right now. Now, because when do we experience thought? We experience thought right now. Right? So we, he wants us to be thinking about what's going on right now. So I would say uh, one of our applications here is the current state matters. Like we should be aware of what is going on around us. The current state matters. And I do not mean state as in state of Tennessee. The current state that we are in matters. So what do we do with that? Uh, know the present. Like you, have to, you have to know what's going on. You have to have some level of paying attention to what is around us so that we know where to focus our thoughts. Does that make sense? Because if, if we have no clue what's going on around us, it's very really hard to be intentional about our thoughts. All right, so now we're going to start this rather long list of what to think about. So the first word is... What is true? Now, is this a singular true or is this a plural true? Plural, right? Because remember, these are big, open, lots of things can fit in here. So this, I, I have heard preachers say, well, Jesus Christ is truth. So this is Je like, should we think about Jesus? Yeah. Is that what Paul has in mind here? Definitively not. Like, like that is, if, if it was, this would be different grammatical construction, but that is not what we're talking about here. Um, now, nominative, so plural, neuter, this is the, the gender of the word. Uh, nominative, anybody remember what nominative means? It's the subject of the sentence, right? Now, the interesting thing here is true is nominative, honorable is nominative, just is nominative, pure is nominative, lovely is nominative, commendable is nominative. You're like, that's a lot of subjects. Yeah. This is called a what kind of subject? It's a compound subject, right? We have lots and lots of different things that are collectively acting together to generate some focus. Like, all right, good. So we'll dial down the grammar here for just a second. I know that was a lot of grammar really quick early. So what does true mean? Not false. That's exactly right. And I, I will tell you, um, I actually think that's an easier way to think about what this list is. And the last slide that I'm going to show uh, before our prayer time is what the text says to dwell on and think about and what the opposite is to give us an idea of, oh, it's really clear to help. Like, we're not talking about these types of things. So if you want that kind of clarity, that's coming in just a couple of minutes, I think. All right, so the true is, is good. And this is the first, you know, threshold to pass in the list. And I would argue that these are in order for a reason. I don't know why all the order is what it is, but true is up first. Uh, so application number two here at the bottom of page 99, truth matters. 
Like, it actually matters. Like, what is true right now in our lives and around us actually matters. And he says, he's going to land here in just a second on dwell on these things. So we, the implication is we are to know what is true. Now, if what I just said made you think about what's going on in the news, no. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm talking about, right? That's not what I'm talking about. This is nothing to do with presidential elections or reporting or anything like that. This is in the context of relationships within the church. Does that make sense? So, like, right now, these are like almost trigger words for like, ooh, I want to think about this. No, 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 no. In this context, we are finally brothers and sisters. Right? In this context, whatever is true. Have arguments arisen inside churches because two believers disagreed on what was true? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So whatever is true. So truth matters. I'm not going to give you a personalization until we get to the bottom of page 102. So just, it's going to build for a little bit. And it's going to be really obvious after the next one what the next ones are. So I'm not trying to be fancy. I'm trying to be clear. So... Whatever is true, so present active indicative right now, and then the next sequence of words is just the word whatever and the, uh, the adjective. And these are adjectives, by the way. These are descriptors of types of things. They're not nouns that we would fix things on. These are adjectives that describe the things that we're going to be thinking about. Does that make sense? The grammar is really beautiful here. I just, I really enjoy this. So whatever is honorable, again, a plural. So there are a variety of things that can fit into this. Uh, and this means uh, a couple of different things. It's used four times in the New Testament. Uh, every other time in the New Testament that uh, this word is used. Uh, so it's used in 1 Timothy 3, 8. Does anybody know what's going on in 1 Timothy 3? Qualifications for overseers and deacons. 1 Timothy 3.8 says, Deacons likewise should be worthy of respect, is the phrase. In verse 11, wives, is wives of the deacons, likewise should be worthy of respect. Exact same phrase, exact same word. Uh, also happens in uh, Titus, because we get qualifications in Titus as well. Titus 2.2. Uh, older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect. Right? So there's, there's something honorable here where when you engage a person like this, you go, oh, wow, we should give that person respect. Like there's an, there's an honor-inducing qual quality characteristic to this. Um, so I've, I've got several. Uh, when Dave, when you saw the PowerPoint this morning, what did you say? Ooh, lots of... A lot of BDAG today, yes, because there's, uh, there's a lot of words in here that only show up a few times. So let's, let's walk through these. So the first word is, uh, this is simnos, uh, and this is the word uh, honorable, right? This is the word honorable, and it has three different definitions. And you guys tell me which one you think applies to this particular text, all right? So human beings worthy of respect, honor, noble, dignified, serious. Let's go to the next one. 
transcendent beings, so this would be some type of gods, right? Uh, worthy of reverence, august, sublime, holy, or characteristics, states of being, things honorable, worthy, venerable, holy, above reproach. Now, I'm intentionally trying to trick you here, so just be aware. Go back to number one, Dave. The examples I read you were this, from Timothy and Titus. But are these people in Philippians? They're not. Well, if they're not people, then we've got to go to three, which is states of being, things honorable, worthy, venerable, holy, above reproach. Is the flexible word that can be used either for specifically for people or for objects or characteristics or states. But the gist is there's something honorable about them, right? So even if you went like, well, I think it's people. I think grammatically it's not. But it's honorable. So what are we thinking about that passes the first threshold of true and it's got to be honorable? Because are there, are there true things that are not honorable? You're like, Well, yeah, there's a lot of true things that are not honorable. But in the, in the population of all things that exist, true, right, we've whittled down, honorable, like, whoa, like, like, we have filtered a massive amount at this point already. Is everybody with me on this? All right, so go to the next slide, Dave. So whatever is honorable. So uh, down the bottom of page 100, honor matters for our application. Honor matters. So truth matters, honor matters. So the next word, uh, whatever, so again, plural, whatever is just, and again, just is a word that's plural, so lots of options here. Uh, this is used 77 times in the New Testament, so it's a really po uh, common word. It's also used in Philippians 1 verse 7, where Paul says, indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. So that word right, so the, the rightness of a thing, the justness of a thing, that this is something that is equitable. It is um, like a, a really, I would argue, a, a lightweight translation of this might be it's fair, it's appropriate. It is established in a way that is equal Okay, this is, the other implications of this are innocent and holy, but there is a, there's an equitableness about this. So it is something that is, these are things that are true, these are things that are honorable, these are things that are equitable. So they are not going to be uh, unfairly applying God's principles to someone's life. Does that make sense? So next, another application down the bottom of page 100. Uh, justice matters. Justice matters. So we've got truth matters, honor matters, justice matters. And we keep going. So whatever is pure. You're like, well, what, is, what does pure mean? Well, if Paul had been writing to Jews and he'd wrote the word pure, what would have immediately popped up in their heads? something like not unclean, ceremonially according to the law, right? Is he writing to Jews here? Not really. 
Like, that, like there, was a, there was a kernel of like maybe a little bit of Jewishness, like a tiny little bit, but there certainly wasn't a lot at the beginning because there, the women uh, were praying by the river and there, was not a, there were not enough Jewish men to have a synagogue when the church at Philippi was founded. This is not a primarily very Jewish uh, congregation. So whatever is pure, this word means innocent or modest or perfect, it's used eight times in the New Testament, and it is always used pure of people, except, I would argue, here, and in James 3.17. So if I can find James. Come on, Hebrews. This Bible's pages stick after Hebrews. There we go. James 3.17. But the wisdom from above is first pure. Then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. It's actually some similar themes to what's going on here in this verse. So this idea of pure, it is undefiled, it is perfect. Are these high standards or low standards for thought? It's, it's pretty high standards for thought, right? I mean, this is, you're like, hang on now. Like, what is left after you filter these things out? Well, let's make sure we get our next application. Purity matters, right? And if, if that word purity evokes a purity culture reference from the 80s and the 90s in evangelical Christianity, that is not what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? It is not what I'm talking about. Do I think believers should be pure sexually? Yes. Is that what we're talking about? No. Uh, so truth matters, honor matters, justice matters, purity matters. So let's turn. It, by a, a few uh, millennia, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so whatever, let's turn the page, is lovely. And I've got to say, in my, des my best Dave Barber, this is a lovely word. It is uh, prosphiles. Pros is an is a uh, uh, preposition that means toward. Phileis is, if you think of phileo, the friendship. So this is things that move toward friendship. Like what generates, an which is actually what the translation is, the first one there is friendly towards. You're like, well, that sounds pretty obvious translation. Yeah. This is one of the great things about Greek words. When you mash them together, you literally take both definitions and you mash them together. Like it doesn't get any fancier than that. It's not like some languages where if you put this together with this, it becomes this whole different. Nope, nope, nope. This is merely addition, <laughs> which is wonderful for translators. And this is the only time it shows up in the New Testament. And I don't have a whole bunch of other definitions for you because we're just mashing up towards and friends. So like... I got to love that the Spirit told Paul to write this one down. Because if we still have a side eye on Yodia and Syntyche toward friendship, right? Like, be thinking about like, stuff that's going to generate and, and encourage and foster and grow and develop friendship. Which I think is just beautiful. But wait, there's more. Whatever. <laughs> And again, that, that lovely is plural. So uh, bottom of page 101, application number one down there, friendship matters. Friendship matters. 
we've got truth matters, honor matters, justice matters, purity matters, friendship matters. Whatever is commendable. And this is a, a really, really well translated word. It's what is worthy of being talked up about. Like you, you have all probably done or experienced something in your lives where you went, like, oh, that was fine. And it, and it wasn't sarcastic, it wasn't belittling, it wasn't berating, it was like, yeah, that was fine. And you've, you've all experienced something where you went, oh, like, that's, like, that's where, that's where you're telling somebody about. Like, what in the world? Like, this is good. This is, this is commendable. And that's what this word is. It's really, really simple. And I love that he uses a plural here because there's a bunch of stuff that's commendable. And this is good. So this is having a, a good reputation or being well spoken of. So my application in the bottom of page 101 Rather than, I almost said commendability matters, and that seemed like impossible to spell. So I, I put a good reputation matters, right? Good reputation matters. The only thing I don't like about that application is it sounds like we're talking specifically about a person, but things can have a good reputation. Like, I really, really love the simplicity of the little plastic tool, and I have no idea what it's called, that connects the tripod to my phone that is recording this. It is stunningly simplistic design. There's a little lever that you pull, it slides right in. There's another little lever that you pull, slides the phone in, and it works flawlessly every single time. I, it's a, you're gonna look it up for me, Dave? Is that right? Yeah. It's a phone holder tripod attachment thing. I don't know. I love it. it I'm sure there is, and it, is, it works flawlessly every single time. And when people ask me, hey, how do you like, do this or that and the other? That's always one of the little gadgets that I talk about. Now, the tripod is a little wobbly every once in a while. It's fine. It was cheap. It does its job. The phone, is, it's good. But that little thing that connects the two, that thing is awesome. And that's what I'm talking about. Now, if we're commanded to think about these things that are commendable, wouldn't it be helpful if we were looking for them? Like, as we engage as believers in our church, we're looking for things that are true, that are honorable, that are just, that are pure, that are lovely, that are commendable. Like, that, that's the mindset that we want to walk through engaging with each other on so that we can then go think about those. Mitch, what you got? Yes, it is, isn't it? A hundred percent. And can we do this on our own apart from the Spirit? No, not at all. Not at all. This is a hundred percent against human nature. Good. I, I was wondering how long it would take somebody to go, I don't think we can do that naturally. Yes, that's exactly right. This is one of the things I love about Paul's writings. Is he, he sets the bar so ridiculously high. You must trust God to accomplish whatever the thing is. Like, it's just not possible otherwise. All right, so, whatever is commendable. And then there's a dash. You're like, okay, we're done with the whatevers. All right, so we're trans, transferring a little bit here in the, in the uh, sentence structure. So now we're going to get to the moral excellence and praiseworthy. So this is um, the types of things are the uh, truth honor, justice, purity, loveliness, commendability. The, the way these things are done 
It's a, it's a little bit of a different shift. I'm not going to lean too far into it, but there's a little bit of a different shift. So if there is any, and again, no verb there, uh, it's really just if any moral excellence. Uh, this word shows up five times in the New Testament. Uh, 1 Peter 2.9, it's referenced as praises. Uh, 2 Peter, you're getting a theme here. This is one of St. Peter's favorite words. Uh, 2 Peter 1 Verses 3 and 5, it shows up three times as goodness. It's a broad range of a word. Lots and lots and lots of different definitions here. Uh, this is the word, uh, let's see if we've got it. Yeah, uh, the, I've got to figure out some way to denote, I'd have to roll the R, because there's a rolled R right here. So, arite. Um, it's very difficult for me to say. So a couple different definitions. So uncommon character, worthy of praise, excellence, uh, excellence of character, exceptional civic virtue, manifestation of divine power or miracle. Does it feel like we're down here in the m manifestation of divine power or a miracle? I don't think that's kind of where we are. We're really uh, this uncommon character worthy of praise. If there is any moral excellence. Wait, are we on the wrong word? We're not on the wrong word. Oh, this was the thing I wanted to lean into. Sorry. These two words, uh, arite and uh, epinos, have tons and tons of semantic overlap. And you're almost like, wait, which word are we talking about? We're talking about the first one right here, the moral excellence. And this is like the easiest way to think about this is just goodness or excellence, um, worthy of significant commendation types of things here. So I, I would argue that it, like a good translation is goodness, the way that CSB does elsewhere. So if there's any goodness or any moral excellence. So application down on the bottom page 101, goodness matters. Goodness matters. Is it good? Yes. I don't. It's a, it, I don't, no. I will say there's a, there's a lot of range to this word. Um, and if you want to put moral excellence matters, I think that's great, right? Nobody's judging you on your applications and personalizations. So <laughs> there's not a, you, you don't turn this book in at the end of the series and like, well, you know, they've got to see. I mean, I don't know, we've got to go do it again, right? This is not good. No, this is... This is for you, so. I, w I, I tried to pick an example that was unlikely, okay? Like, this is, there you go. <laughs> I wouldn't think you got a C. Good grief. No. All right, top of page 102. If there's anything praiseworthy. So this is commendable. You're like, commendable? Well, that, that sounds like something we've talked about so far. Yes, it does. This is, I, and I love uh, Dr. Strong's first definition uh, let's go to the next slide, Dave. I'm turning purple up here. Um, is laudation. Like I, I bet you've never used the word laudation in any conversation. I, I have not. Um, I, L, well, it's on the page there. L-A-U-D-A-T-I-O-N. Uh, so, yeah. So it's just something commendable, right? Which sounds really, really similar to whatever's commendable <laughs> on the other page, right? And this is... And this is where modern translators really struggle sometimes when there's two or three words that are used and the semantic range is like 80% overlap. Like, 
Well, I'm glad we have lots of words. This is good. This, is, this reminds me of Philippians 4, uh, 6. Don't worry about anything but through prayer and petition. Like 90% exact same thing. Just small variations in this. So if there's anything commendable, so he's really leaning into the commendability, which is why I put at the bottom of page 102, application number one, commendability matters. Couldn't write it over there because it was like the only thing it means over here. So let me ask you a question. Does Paul say, finally, brothers and sisters, think along these lines. Think about things like these. Think about stuff that's similar to this. Or does he give us a list? Like We actually have a list. Yeah. So I, I would say application number two at the bottom of page 102 is we have a list of what matters. Like th this is the, the focus for the, specifically the Philippians, and I would argue derivatively for us, of what good thinking looks like, specifically as it relates to maintaining relational goodness inside the body of Christ. Which I would then argue, I can in about three seconds turn this into a pharisaical list of, well, I've got a problem. Where on my little list have I got? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I, I have to press very hard against that temptation to, well, I've got a list. I'm Captain List. Here we go. Let's do it. We've got it. I'm excited. And like, eh, I don't, I don't know that's what he says. So now that we know what we're supposed to be thinking about, what's the word dwell mean? Well, it means... Maybe not what you think it means. <laughs> it's the Greek word legizomai, which is, again, one of my favorite words. Let's go to it. This is, uh, it's got three different definitions. Yep, yep. Uh, legizomai. So to determine by mathematical process, to reckon or to calculate. Now, as much as I want that to be this definition, it is actually not. Like, so do, do we get that we're not talking about math right here? Do y'all know how bad those words taste coming out of my mouth? Like that just, that's terrible. <laughs> What'd you say? Nothing. Nothing, that's right. What was the first verse I ever told you in our relationship? <laughs> this was my attempt at flirting. <laughs> like this is, this is how terrible that went, yeah. It took, a, it took a minute to woo her after that one. All right, number two. To give careful thought to a matter. Oh, wow, I spelled matter wrong. That's not good. That's not how you spell matter. I'm, I'm blanking on the, the cars, right? Cars. All right, yeah, yeah, all right, there we go. Sorry. I got to, if, if, I, if I have an unresolved like, rabbit trail in my head, I cannot finish the rest of the lesson. It's not gonna all right. So to give careful thought to a matter, to think about, to consider, ponder, let one's mind dwell on. Like this, this feels pretty good, right? And then the third one is what? To hold a view about something, to think, to believe, to be of the opinion. And I, like, I think if you do two long enough, it might lend itself to three, but specifically in the context, let's go back to two, like 
This is about to give careful thought to a matter to think about. Like, think about things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, with moral excellence, with praiseworthiness. Dwell on these things. This is a plural, present, middle or passive deponent imperative. So the plural means this is to the group. This is group thinking. Again, this is not a thesa. You are to individually think on like, no, 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 no. We are to think this way. We are to dwell on these things. We are to take an inventory to, to focus on these things. And it's a middle or passive, which means it's going to impact us or it's done to us, which is, I have a hard time figuring out how you can dwell passively. I think it's the middle. I think that's where he's going here. But it is an imperative. This is a command to do this. And then I'm going I'm to hammer home the, I believe this is a definitive list, with the use of the demonstrative pronoun at the end on these things. Not a, not like these things, not around these things, on these things. A demonstrative pronoun, this is the list. This is not illustrative, this is the list. So, I told you I would show you a list of, I gotta say, you're really good at this, I appreciate that. Because all I did was back up and breathe real deeply, and you went to the right side, so thank you for that. Uh, so, think on these things, not on what is false or dishonorable or unjust or impure or against friendship or with a bad reputation or evil or uncommendable. Right? There we go. I think that's helpful. And, and I'm going to cheat just a little bit. And I'm going to talk about verse 9 for just a second. So do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Is Paul telling the Philippians to do anything other than think in verse 8? No, it's all about their thoughts. The doing comes in verse 9. So my last application for page 102 is right thinking precedes right doing. Right thinking precedes right doing. So what should we do with all of that from today, Jim? Well, my only personalization, other than the very first one, is to think rightly. Think rightly. And next week, Lord willing, we will look at the do part of this. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. So we're going to do something different next week than what we normally do. You guys are going to teach most of the lesson next week because your homework specifically for this week is to read Philippians and find examples of Paul teaching and sending and communicating and exhibiting what he is expecting from the Philippians. And if you've been paying attention, I've been talking about these all the way through Philippians and this is actually a pretty easy one. So you have a green book. And everywhere you see the word imperative is a command. So look up the imperatives. Look back and see where has he done this already. 
Where has he exhibited? Where has he exampled? Where has he shown us how to do this before he actually commanded us to do it? Which I think is a really fun question. And I promise you we will not run out of examples. Like there, there is enough examples just in Philippians to do this for like three hours. So there's a ton of right answers to this question. There's probably some wrong answers, but there are a ton of right answers to this question. So that's what next week will be about. Lord willing. But until then, let's think rightly. <laughs> right? Not on the bad stuff. All right, so that's the lesson for today. Uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll pick up with verse 9. Again, you've got your homework. I'll put that in the weekly update email as well, and I'll put it on the uh, uh, Facebook group as well. Uh, so let's move into our time of prayer. So write down your prayer requests. Lean in, engage, pray for somebody not with you, and then go and worship. The one, and if you want to go back and read through the Gospels and watch what Jesus thought about, that we can tell what he thought about through his actions, it was what is true, honorable, just, pure, commendable, morally excellent, and praiseworthy. He is our example in this too. So, thanks for coming today, guys.